You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's Carabao Cup tie with Leeds United taking place at Emirates Stadium this evening. It's an opportunity for Arsenal to book their place in the last eight of the competition. And given the absence of European football, a cup run would certainly be nice. We're going to be looking ahead at the game, going to be discussing the team I would pick, a bit of the team that I think Mikel Arteta is going to pick. And we'll be taking, of course, your thoughts, comments, questions from the live chat box as well. So very much looking forward to getting into that. Uh, Before we dive into it, though, um, some sad news coming out of the world of football today, and that is of the passing of former Scotland Rangers and Everton boss, Walter Smith. Now, Walter Smith sadly passed away. The news broke this morning. Um, And, you know, as a football fan who grew up in the UK, who watched, you know, Premier League football, who always had kind of one eye on the Scottish League and Rangers and Celtic and the old firm derby and the history of it and so on, he's always had a bit of a kind of soft spot for the Scottish national team because of how much passion they play with because of the Tartan army, because of all of that. It was really, really sad to hear this news today. And and I've got to be honest, you know, I know that it was common knowledge that Walter Smith wasn't quite well. Um, I wasn't aware of the severity of his condition. And so this came as a bit of a shock to me. And I'm really, really sad uh, to say that Walter Smith has passed away today. There's been some great tributes and I'm sure there'll continue to be more over the coming days. Uh, paying tribute to somebody who's been lauded as not just a great football coach, not just a great manager, but a great man as well. And I think if you get a chance and you can uh, have a look at Ali McCoist's tribute on uh, on the TalkSport social media pages, I think he speaks brilliantly about Walter Smith and really encapsulates what was great about him, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well and away from the sport of football. So really, really sad loss. And our condolences, of course, go out to his friends and family. So uh, rest in peace, Walter Smith. Really, really sad news. Not the way we like to start a podcast, but it is only fair that we, you know, we pay tribute to, as people like to call him nowadays, a real football man, because that's exactly what Walter Smith was. And, you know, you can you can look from the outside at certain characters in the game. And even if there is no direct affiliation with your club, um, you know, Walter Smith didn't manage Arsenal, never got near to it. You know, he was an Everton manager here in the Premier League, Rangers, Scotland, etc., etc., there are people that along your kind of footballing journey that you will be drawn to, that you will gravitate towards because you feel like there is something about them. Um, You know, there is something that you find interesting or gripping. And, And Walter Smith was certainly one of those characters for me who I looked at from afar, from a distance and always admired. So to hear of his passing, as I say, is really, really sad news. And, um, it's one of those ones where you kind of your stomach goes when you read it. So, um, as I say, you know, condolences to his family and friends. Really, really sad stuff. 
Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat box at the moment. Hope you're all well. Uh, big hello to Bungle, to Noah, to SP, uh, to Guna. Um, SP says, Harry, could you please do a 30 seconds review on the Wenger film coming out in November? I'll tell you what, I was very lucky to have got to watch the film last night as part of some work that I'm doing um, around it. And there'll be more content around that film coming up uh, in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. Got some pretty exciting stuff coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. I don't want to give anything away. Obviously, I can't give away the story. I can't give away what happened or how it all unfolded because we all know that. We all lived through it. But what I can do is give you guys a bit of a kind of teaser around the film. And for me, put it this way, it was much better than the book. I know Arsene Wenger's book, um, which came out not too long ago, was a little bit underwhelming, a little bit disappointing. I think a lot of people expected him to kind of dish out the dirt on Arsenal Football Club, and he never did that. You know, we expected that Arsene Wenger would always maintain that class that he showed throughout his Arsenal tenure and would never turn on the club in the public domain. And that's right. But I think this, this film is a little bit more insightful. I think he's a little bit more honest in the film. I think there's some great contributions from... Uh, Patrick Vieira, Emmanuel Petit, Thierry Henry, um, you know, uh, Lee Dixon's in there, Ian Wright, Alex Ferguson. There's some really, really good contributions in the film. Arson speaks very candidly, very openly and clearly from the heart. And I've got to be honest, there was a tear in my eye on more than one occasion watching that film to see the heights that this man took us to. And to kind of then see how it all unraveled and how we got to a place where there were a large section of our fan base, not just calling for him to be replaced, but abusing the guy, trying desperately to get him out of our club. It's sad. And I think now that a few years have passed and, and all the kind of raw emotion um, around kind of where we were at that point has, has evaporated a little bit, I think you'll look back at it and I think you'll be a little bit sad. I was anyway. I felt really sad. I felt really depressed and almost felt guilty. Not and, and listen, I say I felt guilty. I wasn't someone that abused Arsene Wenger. I was never in the stadium saying Arsene Wenger, get out or anything like that. But I was at a place where I felt that a change would be the right thing, that it kind of needed to happen. I don't think we managed the change. I don't think we managed the transition away from Wenger good at all. I think we managed it really, really poorly. And it's largely why we're in the position we're in now. But there is a part of me that felt a lot of guilt. And just for even wanting him out when you watch that film. And I think a lot of you will feel that when you watch it. Because the way he considered leaving and didn't leave and maybe could have gone into 2007 etc etc when David Dean went you know it makes you feel like he stayed because he felt like he had to and then he was made to kind of suffer later on and you know so Alex Ferguson talks about Wenger's post you know Invincibles period as well really well in the film and again I don't want to give too much away so um, I'm going to stop there but it is a really good watch you will get a tear in your eye if you love Arsenal you'll get you'll have a tear in your eye at some point during this film I promise you um, really talks about Wenger's humble beginnings, a lot of what drives him, a lot of what motivates him. And I think if you are someone who is striving to be elite at something, and it can be anything, it can be at your job, it can be at, 
you know, a sport or a hobby that you you have, whatever it is, I think you can take a lot away from what Arsene Wenger says and a lot of the stuff that is a makeup or, or is part of the makeup of his mind and his mentality. So I think it's a really fantastic watch. Really, really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, definitely worth uh, spending some time. I think it's about an hour and a half long. It is on... Um, it is on, uh, it's going to be streaming and it's going to be on DVD or Blu-ray, I think, as well. But it's out on November 11th. It'll be in some cinemas here in the UK as well. Not sure if it will be uh, in the cinemas overseas, but I'm sure you'll be able to find that information out locally. But yeah, definitely, definitely worth a watch. Right, let's uh, let's start looking ahead then to that game that Arsenal play tonight against um, Leeds United in the Carabao Cup. And look, normally for me, the Carabao Cup is one of those things I'm kind of like, meh, you know, if we get far in it, great. If we don't, I don't really care. Um, you know, in years gone by, we've had European competition and European competition for me has always taken priority over something like the Carabao Cup. Not because I'm a snob, not because, you know, I, I don't like trophies. I don't like silverware. But ultimately for me, over the last few years, it's been about getting back in the Champions League. And the Carabao Cup does not offer you that. The Carabao Cup does not offer you an opportunity to qualify for the Champions League. It can help you get into the Europa League, um, you know, and, and it certainly could do that historically. But for me, Champions League was always the aim. Champions League was what I always wanted. And so for me, if you could win the Europa League by prioritising that over the Carabao Cup, which did get you into the Champions League, that was fine with me. And it's always been a competition, at least in the last sort of 20 years or so, where Arsenal have traditionally made changes, you know, played weaker sides, if you like, given fringe players minutes and even given some of our young talents opportunities to really kind of burst onto the scene and, you know, make an impact, make a name for themselves. Um, you know, it's um, that that's what this competition is for me. But in the absence of European football, I think it would be great. It would be great for Arsenal and some of the young players and the developing players that we have at the club to experience going to the latter stages of a cup competition. But it would also be great for Mikel Arteta because I think a really positive run in, in both of the cup competitions would kind of lift the kind of burden on him a little bit and maybe release some of the pressure on him at this moment in time. Because without Europe, with just the league for, you know, for us to kind of judge him on, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it would be, it would be great if he could buy himself some breathing space by doing really, really well in the, in the cup competitions and, you know, a win against Leeds tonight puts Arsenal in the last eight of the competition. And when you get to this kind of point, if you can get to the last eight, then you've got to take it seriously. What's the point, you know, of, of then saying at that point that I'm going to change it up and I'm not going to be worried. But how seriously should you take it when we've got Leicester City away in the Premier League coming up this Saturday? And this is the big question, right? How is Mikel Arteta going to approach this game? Is he going to take the opportunity to play all of his fringe players? Is he going to take the opportunity to give some of them some much needed minutes? Is he going to take the opportunity to try and continue to build on the momentum that we've gathered over the last six league games where we've been unbeaten? Yeah, there have been a couple of draws along the way, but you know, it's largely been much more positive. So do you look to continue that? Do you look to carry that forward? Um, do you like to, um, you know, do, do you want to 
make the winning feeling a habit and keep going with your best players, given that that game is coming up on Saturday? Do you feel that there's enough time between Tuesday and Saturday for the team to recover and be at their best for Leicester? Or do you make wholesale changes? And this is a question I've been thinking about all night. You know, I was sitting there last night really late wondering what team I would pick for this game. And I'm going to tell you the team I would pick, but I think it's very different to the one that Mikel Arteta will pick because I think he will see this as an opportunity to keep a lot of players happy. Remember, without Europe, the likes of Bern Leno, the likes of Gabriel Martinelli, the likes of Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Mohamed Elneny, Rob Holding, just to name a few, Cedric Suarez, are all going to get a significantly reduced amount of game time off the back of that. And, you know, that's something that will concern Mikel Arteta. That's something that he needs to manage. And it's something that he needs to manage effectively. Because while you can have your best 11, you need to keep your squad engaged. You need to keep those players engaged in the project, but also fit, also sharp, and also ready to step in at any given time because things can change so quickly in the Premier League. So as a result of that, this is the team that I would pick tonight. Now, I want to make sure that you guys understand it's the team I would pick and not the team that I think Mikel Arteta will pick, because I will go on to um, explain what I think Mikel Arteta will do differently um, in comparison to what I'm saying as well. So bear with me uh, on this. But if um, if I just share the screen with you, so for me, it would be Bern Leno in goal. You know, as I've said, you need to keep these people engaged. When else is Bern Leno going to play, if not tonight? I think across the back line, I would go with um, Cedric at right back. I think that Cedric is somebody that we, we're going to need at some point during the season. I would keep the centre-backs the same. I would go with White and Gabriel, because for me, it's important that there is a nice balance here between players that, you know, are, are key and, and, and important and part of the core of this new look side, but also bringing in some of those fringe players. I'd go Tavares at left back. I don't expect Kieran Tierney to be available tonight. I don't know that for sure. I've seen some people talking about potentially playing, say, Kalasinac. I wouldn't rule that out. I don't think you can categorically say that Mikel Arteta won't do that, but I wouldn't do it. So I'd go with Tavares, Gabriel White and Cedric across the back line with Bern Leno in goal. In midfield, I would play... Um, I'm just trying to think about this. I wouldn't play Thomas Partey, not not in a million years. Um, I look at Thomas Partey and I still see someone who's not quite at 100% in terms of their physical condition. And I do have reservations about overusing Thomas Partey. I think he's young. I think he's exciting. I think he could do with more experience playing against the Premier League side. And therefore, I would put uh, Sambi Laconga in there. I'd play Maitland-Niles alongside him. Um, although I think that there's a good chance Mohamed Elneny plays. I'd go with Odegaard in the 10. I'd go with Martinelli from the left. Um, I'd go with Pepe from the right and I would personally play Lacazette up front. Now, that's the team I would pick. So just to run through that, for those of you listening via the audio platforms, my 11 would be Leno in goal, Cedric, White, Gabriel, Tavares, Laconga, Ainsley, Maitland-Niles, Pepe, Odegaard, Martinelli and Lacazette. Now, 
Do I think that that's the team that Mikel Arteta will go with? No, I don't. I think there will be uh, a lot of differences to that. And I'll talk you through what I think he might do in just a moment. But I think this team that I've picked here represents a good balance between the core that we've, you know, really kind of seen flourish over the last few weeks. And I think that having three of the back four that played against Aston Villa will be key. I think that Lokonga is improving and I think he will get better and better. But I think more experience against Premier League opposition uh, will be valuable for him. So I'd like to see him continue in the team. I think that Ainsley Maitland-Niles, you know, you kept him at the club, you forced him to stay Arsenal. And so you need to justify that by giving him some game time. And if he can't play tonight, then when can he? I think Martin Odegaard's been out of form in the last couple of weeks. And I think the opportunity to rediscover that form in a bit of a safer environment is uh, is a good thing. I think that Pepe is another player who a lot of people have talked about in, in recent days and criticised. I don't think he's been deserving of all the criticism necessarily that's come his way. But I also appreciate that he can be frustrating, he can be inconsistent, but I think he's someone that always carries a goal threat. And the stats and the facts prove that. You know, people will disagree, people will argue, but I think that the, the proof is in the pudding in that one. So Pepe should start for me. Martinelli is a player that there's a lot of clamour about. Is Gabriel Martinelli worthy of more game time at Arsenal? Well, I'll tell you what, he needs to prove it because in the last you know, four or five games where he has been given the opportunity. I've never come away from the game thinking, yeah, you know what? Gabby went out there, did his best. No, actually, that's not fair because it's not from a lack of trying. But I've never come away from the game saying Gabby did enough today for Mikel Arteta to have to consider him at the weekend. In my personal opinion, he is behind Emil Smith-Rowe. He is behind Bukayo Saka. He's even behind Nicolas Pepe. Now, there's a lot of people that might disagree with that, but the stats, the facts prove it. You know, I would trust Nicolas Pepe to make a goal-scoring contribution in a game over Gabriel Martinelli at this moment in time. And that's obviously how Mikel Arteta sees it as well. So I tweeted it out earlier on. These are the kind of fixtures where people like Martinelli, like Maitland-Niles, you know, like Pepe, have to produce at a level that makes Mikel Arteta stand back and think, whoa, I can't continue to overlook this player. I cannot continue to ignore what they're doing. They are knocking on the door. And they are deserving and warranting of a place in my starting lineup. Martinelli's not done that yet. You know, he, he really hasn't. Not this season anyway. He struggled when he came back from the injury. Didn't look the same. Started the season up front. Um, you know, when we went to or, or on the left-hand side, when we went to Brentford, played up front against Chelsea. Obviously lost in that game, as were Arsenal in general, but didn't make an impression there. AFC Wimbledon in the last round of the cup, he did okay. You know, he did OK, but that was about it. You know, there was a good spell first 15, 20 minutes where he looked really lively, won us a penalty. But outside of that, he didn't do enough for me. And so this is a game and an opportunity that Gabriel Martinelli, if he wants to force his way into having a bigger role in Mikel Arteta's side, then he has to grab that opportunity with both hands for me. He has to. And uh, I'll be looking at him uh, very, very closely tonight because I want him to do it. I want him to be that guy that is knocking on Mikel Arteta's door. And he might be doing that physically in terms of making his case known to Mikel Arteta about why he wants to or feels he's deserving of, of playing more. But he hasn't delivered on the pitch yet. I think he can. 
I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the ability. I think he's got the work rate. I think he's got the desire. But that needs to turn into performances. And we're not really seeing that at this moment in time. So what do I think that Mikel Arteta will do in terms of the team selection? So I don't think that you'll see Gabriel on white tonight. I think you'll probably see Holding and Pablo Marie. I think there's a good chance, as I mentioned, that you see Sayer Kalasinac playing at left back. I think there's a good chance Mohamed Elneny starts in the midfield with Lokonga left out. I think Lacazette could also be left out. Remember, he and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang were both taken off against Aston Villa and were both kind of limping or, or looked worn out or, you know, looked like they weren't at 100% when they were taken off. And so I think that Eddie and Ketia could lead the line. So I think there are going to be, um, you know, a lot of differences to the side that I've picked. But this is the side I would pick because it's a side that, for me, needs to have that right balance. Leeds United are rumoured to uh, be in a place where they are going to make wholesale changes. I think it's a little bit of a difficult one for Marcelo Bielsa because obviously Leeds have started the season really, really poorly. And we talk a lot about second season syndrome in the Premier League. And I think you're seeing that effect on Leeds United. Have they been found out a little bit? Have they become a little bit predictable? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if that's what it is, but you know that Marcelo Bielsa will stick to his principles. You know that he'll stick to his philosophy. You know, he will continue to play in the way that Marcelo Bielsa plays and his team's although they're not been performing well at this moment in time, have the ability to cause people problems, have the ability to score goals, have the ability to attack well, play with an incredible intensity. And even if he makes changes, a lot of those principles will still be applied for sure, because it's just the Marcelo Bielsa way. So I think for us, if Leeds are going to make changes, which is what a lot of the reports I'm reading are suggesting, then that's obviously a positive for us. But Leeds will not take this game lightly purely for the fact that they need to get a win. You know, they need to win football matches to breed that confidence, to get themselves back on track. And then hopefully for them, not for me, I don't really care about Leeds, but hopefully for them, they get the opportunity to then put a run together and start to get out of trouble. Because after last season, people were tipping them to finish in a European spot this season. And based on the early season evidence, that looks really, really far-fetched and it doesn't look as though it's going to be possible. But, you know, they need to kickstart their season in some way. And what better way to do that than with a cup win away at Arsenal on a Tuesday night? There'll be a big Leeds contingent down at the Emirates Stadium tonight. That is for sure. They're a huge football club with great support. Uh, they'll take up that stand behind the goal uh, in the clock end. And I'd imagine uh, you know, they'll be in great voice tonight. So they'll have plenty of support. They'll have plenty of motivation. I think for us, you know, as I say, even if Mikel picks the team I think he might pick, which does include the likes of Holding, the likes of Marie, who as a pairing haven't been too bad. Um, you know, it, it, historically, I, I know they're not great and they're not my first choice by any stretch of the imagination. But for example, they're a better pairing than Holding and Gabriel. Or, you know, in terms of not because Holding and or Marie is a better player than Gabriel, but because of the, the the connection. You know, I think we have seen Holding and Marie look okay in certain games in the past. So I think that we're going to, um, you know, even if we do go with that, even if we do see Elneny in the side, even if we do see Eddie and Ketia up top, there's a good chance that Arsenal will still have enough to get over the line, enough to beat uh, Leeds United. And so, um, yeah, I'm expecting progression tonight. Nothing less will do.
Let me know what you think in the comments section. Get your thoughts over. Get your questions over for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the show. I'd love to take some of your questions before we wrap up. While you're doing that, while you're filling up the chat box, please do uh, make sure that you hit the like button on the video if you haven't done so already. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new. We're edging closer to that 17K target here on YouTube. I think we're less than 50 away now, which is great. Maybe we'll get there this week. If so, that would be great. Subscribe, like the video. You know the draw by now. If you're listening via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review. Right. Um, let's go over to the questions. Let's go over to the comments. Um, let's see what we got here uh, from Dial Square to Where. Big hello to you, mate. Make sure you check out from Dial Square to Where. Uh, great YouTube channel. Get over there. Get involved. Uh, Andrew put some fantastic content out there. So please do have a look. Um, he says Martinelli had no preseason. Yeah, look, I get that. He didn't. I, I get that. And I get that it's not been an ideal start to the campaign for him. But and this goes for anyone, whether you're Gabriel Martinelli or you're Nicolas Pepe or you're Martin Odegaard. If you are someone who isn't a nailed on starter in the 11 every single week, someone that is in and out of the side, someone that gets minutes by way of a late substitute appearance, um, you know, or whatever that may be, whatever your situation may be. If you are not a nailed on starter in a team, you have to, um, you have to give the manager something to think about, give the manager something to consider when you are given those opportunities. And look, it's really hard to do. I'm not saying that it's easy. It's really difficult to come into a team without the rhythm of playing regularly, without the rhythm of playing week in, week out, and be at your best instantly, just like that. And I think that's something that we have to consider when judging Gabriel Martinelli. But equally, what has he done to suggest that he's warranting of a place ahead of any of those other three wingers I've mentioned? Saka, Smith-Rowe, Pepe. And the answer is nothing. And, and that's the reality of it. And I think Mikel Arteta alluded to it in a press conference that he did the other week or, or last week, sorry, where he was asked at length. I think it was Haters TV put a poll out, didn't they, asking what was it that people most wanted to ask Mikel Arteta? And one of them was, one of the things that constantly came up was why isn't, um, you know, why isn't he um, in the team? Why isn't he playing more? And for me, Mikel Arteta kind of set the law there or, or kind of set out his stool on Gabriel Martinelli when he said that the the assumption of how Martinelli's progression is going is maybe a little bit unrealistic. I think the word he used was unrealistic. And I think that is spot on. I think we saw him thrive when he first came into the team. You know, when he broke through under Unai Emery, he looked really good every time he played. And all of us were sitting there going, my word, we got a talent on our hands. I myself said that I haven't been this excited about a young Arsenal talent since Cesc Fabregas. And I, I genuinely meant that at the time. And I still think he's got all that ability and all that talent. But the injury rocked him. It knocked him for six. And he struggled to get going last season. But you kind of gave that as a bit of a freebie. And you said he was in and out of the side, didn't play much, but the priority was to keep him fit. That was the main thing that Arsenal needed to do. And it was the main thing that his medical team had kind of identified as or his personal team had identified as as targets uh, for him over the course of the season. He'd done that, but now it's time to kick on. 
I get what you're saying about the, the first couple of games, Brentford, Chelsea, he was thrown into the mix. It wasn't ideal. And I get that. But even since then, the brief cameo appearances that he has had, has you seen anything that suggests dropping Smith Rowe, Saka or Pepe in his favour? And, and you're fully entitled to have a different opinion as is everybody, but I haven't. And that's why I'm not one of those people kind of jumping up and down screaming that Gabriel Martinelli needs to play because I don't think he's done enough just yet. Uh, let's take this one from uh, Deepak Patel. He says, would you have Patino and Aziz on the bench to reward them for their good form? Um, Miguel Aziz is injured and Miguel Aziz um, was obviously sent out on loan uh, to Portsmouth. Um, you know, it's uh, he's not going to be available to Mikel Arteta tonight. Uh, so that one, uh, no. But Charlie Patino, look, he's... He's flourishing. He's he's doing really, really well in the under-23s. got to be honest, I thought against AFC Wimbledon, there was a chance that he'd be included in the squad. He wasn't. Mikel Arteta talked afterwards about him being very, very close, but just not quite there, and that there were other players within the first team setup that were probably more worthy or closer to getting those or, or more in need of those minutes, and that's why he missed out. I think if you don't throw him in against AFC Wimbledon in the squad, then I don't think you do it against Premier League opposition. So I'd be very surprised if he was in the squad, although me personally, I wouldn't be against it. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, John Daly says, do you think that because Arteta has been under Pep winning this trophy, he sees the good feeling it brings for the run in at the end of the season? Really great point, because it's something that not just Pep Guardiola, but Jose Mourinho always used to do as well, was take this competition semi-seriously up to a certain point. And then when it got to the business end, he would make sure that he did get over the line because of the, you know, the, the winning feeling and everything that it breeds in the dressing room going into the most uh, difficult part of the season. So, yeah, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mikel Arteta sees it like that. But I'm also just mindful of the fact that he, in his own mind, I think will be very concerned about how he's going to be able to keep a lot of these fringe players engaged. So I think that there should be a bit of a mix and match going on. Senior players, core players, if you like, um, is probably a better term to describe them. Uh, some of them in the team, but also some of those fringe players. And I'd keep the big guns on the bench for sure, because if you need to rescue the tie, then it'd be great to have those players to call upon. So that's why, again, partly why I don't think that somebody like Charlie Patino necessarily will be in the squad. Could be wrong, but that's just my my personal opinion. But I do think there is a lot of positive to come out of it. And I think if you are Mikel Arteta, a manager under pressure, even um, despite the run of results that we're on at the moment in the league, then I do think you need to think about that and you need to think about what you can do to not only raise the confidence levels within the camp, but also keep the fans at arm's length in terms of those who are closing in on you with their pitchforks. Uh, let's take a couple more of your questions. Uh, Patrick Carlson says, should Arteta test White in midfield in this game? I'm not sure. You know, there's a lot of talk about White and his ability to play midfield. I don't really see it, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, so, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, just my view. Uh, Noah Daniel says, Harry, I'm going to the Emirates for the third time today. I'm sure... Uh, I'm never sure, sorry, where's the best place to sit? Where's your favourite place? Um, hopefully bump into you, mate. If you spot me, come and say hello. Um, got to meet a couple of you at the Villa game on Friday night. Um, but it's always difficult for me, right? Because as I always say, you guys see my face all the time, but I don't see yours. So 
you know, people come up to me sometimes and they say hello and it's great to meet you. Do introduce yourself because I, I, you know, I don't see your faces, unfortunately. So it makes it difficult for me to pick out who some of you are. And it's um, but it is always great to meet every single one of you um, when I do get the opportunity. I'm very grateful for that. And it's always good uh, to hear from you guys in person. So make sure you come and say hello. Me personally, mate, I sit in the North Bank Lower Block 6. Um, it's where I've always sat. Uh, my dad sits in, I don't know if it's the East, east or West Stand anymore, but the stand where the tunnel is, where the managers dug outside, just a few rows behind there. That's a cracking view. Uh, but the atmosphere is a little bit different. It's a little bit more reserved. It's a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more of a need to kind of stay seated um and the other irritating thing about that bit is that people get up to go past you all the time and when you're sitting you have to physically get up so that they can pass you whereas in the north bank we stand so if someone wants to pass you you don't have to move and i just feel like the atmosphere is a little bit livelier there so yeah just depends if you want the view then it's the north bank is not the greatest place but if you want the um the atmosphere then that's that's where you should go in my opinion uh dipak says is the game being televised yep it is on sky uh sky sports here in the uk josh hunter said should Laka start i would start him again um as i mentioned earlier on but i'm not sure that Mikel will uh philippe says harry since arsenal have no europe should the efl cup be a priority especially since Leeds have been so poor it's basically a bye to the quarterfinal and then that's only three games to the final a cup would be good i don't think it's a bye um i think it will be a difficult game regardless just because it's Leeds, it's Marcelo Bielsa, um, and and they need a victory of some sort to really galvanise them. So although I expect them to make changes, I don't think there'll be any questions about the commitment levels from Marcelo Bielsa's side. Having said that, they're not the most defensively solid unit and they're a side that can be gotten at. So we should have enough quality in the final third to hurt them. Um, but yeah, look, a cup would be great. And as I said, right at the top of the show, in the absence of European football, even more so. Um, Let's see uh, what else we've got. And apologies if I've missed some of your questions. Big hello to Thomas, uh, who says he's still banging on Arteta out, Vinay out, Edu out, Kroenke out. Let's see. You know, Kroenke out, I agree with. Um, but let's see uh, what happens with the rest of them over the course of the season. Um, what else have we got? Um, where are we? Where are we? Uh John Daly says, have you also heard that we're going strong tonight? Yeah, look, I think I think that, yeah, but Mikel Arteta isn't going to give away his team news. You know, a lot of people will talk about it and um, will speculate and, and will pick up on comments he makes and try and read in between the lines. He's not going to come out and tell you what his team's going to be. I expect it, as I say, to be a mixture of our fringe players at the moment, but they would still be seen as senior players, right? Somebody like... Martin Odegaard, we spent over £30 million on him. He's not, you wouldn't say picking him is under strength. You know, Nicolas Pepe, £72 million winger. Gabriel Martinelli, who people adore, will will start the game most likely. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, a player that we've been um, quite desperate to hold on to or or really trying to hold on to and and blocked from moving on. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of players that Mikel Arteta will still say are at the level required. And as I say, I think he'll be very, very keen to keep as much of his squad engaged as he possibly can, given that they're not getting many minutes in the Premier League. So I think we will go fairly strong, um, perhaps not as strong as I'd like, because I do expect changes at centre-back um, and I do expect 
probably Eddie Nketiah to lead the line ahead of uh, Alexander Lacazette. So I think there will be slight changes, slight differences to the team I've picked, but um, we still should have enough out there on the pitch uh, to get the result. Right. Uh, let me just quickly run through the team again um, that I've picked, and then I will give you my score prediction before we wrap up. So the team that I would like to see start against Leeds United in the Carabao Cup tonight for a place in the quarterfinal is Bern Leno in goal. Back four of Cedric, White, Gabriel and Nuno Tavares. In midfield, I want to see Laconga alongside Ainsley Maitland-Niles with Martin Odegaard playing just in front of them. I'd like to see Nicolas Pepe from the right, Gabriel Martinelli from the left and Alexander Lacazette up top. As I say, I don't think Lacazette will start. I don't think Gabriel and White will start. So I think there will be some differences to that, but that's the team I would pick. In terms of my score prediction, I'm going to go with 3-0 to the Arsenal. I think that Arsenal will find um, spaces and, and therefore create opportunities against this Leeds side. I think Leeds will make wholesale changes as well, which obviously weakens them. I wouldn't write them off, but it weakens them. And and there's a difference, right? You know, you can look at the game and say we should win it, but it doesn't mean you're being completely and totally disrespectful to your opponents. So I think that you know, the leads will pose us some challenges, but I think we'll have enough. I think that if Arteta plays it right and keeps some players back on the bench that could potentially change a game if needed, then I think we stand a very good opportunity of progressing and booking our place in the last eight. Right. Uh, let's leave it there. Uh, I'm going to catch you all later on tonight. I'm going to bring you an instant reaction video from inside the Emirates Stadium at the full time whistle or just after that, because it takes me a bit of time to then get out the ground and then upload it because um, I'm doing it all from my phone, which is horrible. Um, it's a little bit fiddly and, you know, but yeah, I'll bring you the instant reaction video. Uh, you should get it within half an hour of the full time whistle. And of course, when I return home tonight, whatever time that might be, probably at about it's a Carabao Cup game. So as long as it doesn't go to the full distance, probably between 10.30 and 11 o'clock, I'll be live here with a post-match reaction episode. And if you're an audio listener, uh, you'll be able to pick that up as soon as you wake up on Wednesday morning. So lots more content coming your way today. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't done so already. Make sure you've hit the like button. There's over 150 of you watching us live at the moment. Therefore, there is no excuse for us not having at least... 75 likes on the board at this point. So hit the like button as the outro plays and I'll catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Enjoy the game. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.